Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CPF Firewire. I am California professional firefighters president, Brian Rice. Of all the institutions in our society, there's only one whose sole mission is to improve the lives of working men and women, and it's called the union. Professional firefighters have been organizing in unions for more than a century. In California, your local and state unions have fought hard over decades, and the victories we've won have made our firefighters among the best paid, best trained, and best protected in the nation. But as we have often learned over the years, nothing is guaranteed. So I thought it would be good to hear from one of our brother union leaders from another state to hear about the challenges that they face, how they've overcome those obstacles to make a difference for our fellow firefighters. And joining me today is Dave Coker. Uh, Dave is a captain with the Greensboro uh, Fire Department in North Carolina. He is also the president of the Professional Firefighters of Greensboro. Uh, Dave, welcome to the CPF Firewire. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I really appreciate it. Dave, just give me a little bit and and the listeners um, a little bit about your background, how you became a firefighter, how you got involved with the union, and um, just kind of um, who you are and and what's going on. Yeah, I got on the job in Greensboro, North Carolina in 2005. And um, my involvement, or I guess the reason why I got involved with the local here on on the job, Really, I came in the door um, as a believer in the union already. I had spent uh, five years as a lineman at uh, Bell South, which is a regional phone company here in the South. And I was really fortunate when I got on the job at the phone company to be able to join um, a pretty militant, uh, pretty active local um, that also supported and I would say invested in young members when they wanted to get involved with uh, with the local. So. Um, Dave, what union was that? Uh, CWA, Communication Workers of America, Local 3607 in Greensboro, North Carolina, and had a really broad experience there. I got to, you know, started as a shop steward, um, became chief steward in the construction department where I was at, um, had the opportunity to, you know, attend some uh, national CWA events, some AFL-CIO events, uh, and really where I got involved that I was most passionate about was organizing. I had the opportunity, I guess you could say an opportunity to do union organizing in Alabama and, uh, you know, Charlotte, Greensboro, you know, basically throughout the state. Um, and then had the opportunity to do organizing work with a pretty broad group of different types of workers in the telecommunications industry, everything from retail to um, cell tower techs to, to factory workers. So, when I came to the fire department, I already had this in my back pocket, and to me, it was it was a no brainer. There was no reason not to join and and uh, you know make it through my probationary period and then get involved. And uh, it started out uh, with our local on the executive board, and then moved into a um, was appointed to a vacant vice president position, and then um, was elected president in two thousand eleven, and. Uh, that's a position I've occupied with the local since then. What I really wanted to talk about were some of the differences, not just the differences, but the successes that you have had in an atmosphere that isn't 
isn't always geared to, um, isn't always, isn't geared for collective bargaining. And quite frankly, you guys and, and gals in Greensboro um, through the years ha have been successful in, in, in that work. And let's, I just want to talk about that. And I'm, I'm going to guess some of the tenaciousness that um, you and the Greensboro firefighters had to maintain to get where you are today. To answer that question fully, I got to give a little bit of context about the, the environment that we're in. So listeners understand, you know, that uh, we're constantly rolling the boulder up the hill. North Carolina in 1959 passed uh, General Statute 9598, which at the time um, not only prohibited public employees from engaging in collective bargaining. Right. So they made it illegal for units of government to sit down and, and uh, engage in a written agreement with public employee unions. But that time, it also made uh, it illegal for police officers and firefighters to even be union members, period. So our, our local was, uh, Local 947 in Greensboro was originally founded in 1947. 1959, we had to disband because it was illegal, you know, to, to, uh, to even be union members. Wow. It took a decade to overturn just a portion about membership. Um, so in 1969, our local reformed and, and police officers and firefighters could be union members again in 1969. But what stayed in place was that Jim Crow era law uh, regarding um, collective bargaining. So public employees in North Carolina don't have collective bargaining rights. There's nothing that compels the city, county or the state to sit down with workers in any capacity. Um, so we don't have, you know, union release time. You don't have uh, unless you work for it. You don't have uh, dues checkoff or dues deduction unless you work for it. Um, there's no method by which you sit down to grieve policy um, unless you have um, a civil service, a local civil service ordinance. And I think more broad, that's very specific to us, but more broadly, you know, we have one of the lowest unionization rates in the nation. Only 3.4% of our workforce in North Carolina is unionized. Oxfam in a study last year uh, recognized North Carolina as being the worst place to be a worker in the United States. Wow. And that was uh, based on not only the lack of collective bargaining rights, uh, the right to work and at will employment status, uh, low minimum wage and next to next to zero state level worker protections. And so that's the environment we're in. I'm, you know, as a president of a public employee union in, in North Carolina, I'm an at will employee. Um, all my members are at-will employees. Even Dave, even as a fire captain and a union member, you are an at-will employee. And I yeah, think we do not have just cause protections. We do not have property rights to our jobs. Um, we're we're at-will employees, and that can and has uh, in other areas of the state, you know, and, and in our local in the past, resulted in um, discrimination against local union supporters, firing of union members um, on trumped-up charges. Uh, the IFF just won a case in Leland, North Carolina, which is closer to the coast, where they essentially, you know, fired the entire executive board of, of the, the fledgling local there. Um, so that's the, the environment that we're in. Um, now, the flip side of that is what we've been able to do in that environment um, is related to, you know, what I what I believe to be an, an informed and and pretty engaged membership on, on our part. And also the local, there are other locals throughout the state who do really strong union work that have engaged and informed locals. You know, when I became union president, uh, my first official day as local president, the fire chief called and said, Hey, we've got an $18 million budget shortfall. We're going to get a ladder company. So that's, that's day one uh, in my union presidency. 
um, we, we ended up stopping that, that ladder company closure. And uh, we had city council members that wanted us fired for, you know, going to the public with what this, what the safety impact would be. And then three years later, fast forward, uh, we went through city council, every st- every ladder in the city of Greensboro staff with four personnel. So we have four personnel across the board. So in three short years, we went from, we're going to get rid of one. to now we're going to fully, fully staff all of them and keep them in place. So uh, we've won dues deduction again by vote of city council, um, have had some pretty, um, some pretty significant compensation increases through our, our political advocacy. In 2017, we got a seven and a half percent pay bump, and um, every year we're we're kind of um, working on compensation as a huge component of what we do. We uh, we're able to overturn a 25 year old yeah 25 year old local ordinance that prohibited our members from running for office in other areas. So. Um, we have a member who's a, a school board member in his county, which is one county over. We have another member running for school board. We've worked hard over you know a decade plus to really um, build a local union in a very tough environment that delivers uh, bread and butter for our members. Um, but also the way we do that work is that we want to win hearts and minds. And so we, we do a lot of committee-based work and really try to get a lot of feedback from the members and from and, 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 and from our, our committees that tackle specific issues. Um, and we're, we're always on. There's really never a downtime for us. We're, we're always advocating with our, with our city council about something. What's interesting is we, where you started out with, here's what the reality is or could be, meaning everybody is an at-will employee. You can't per se have a collective bargaining agreement. You know, you really come to work, keep your mouth shut and do your job to what you created and what the Greensboro firefighters created and your local, which to me is is equal to, to what we're doing here in California. The difference is you, you guys had to risk it all to get that. And that, and I think that is one of the things, and, and you and I have talked about this, and you kind of pointed out to me once about taking things for granted, and I, I don't want to say becoming complacent, but, but it was kind of that type of a conversation. And what I really came out of that w- for me with Greensboro, North Carolina, you guys are about 800 members, right? Seven to 800? We're, we're, we're uh, uh, around 582. Yeah, 582, which is very similar to the department I worked for here in Sacramento, very similar to Sacramento City. But the differences, and I think this is what I want, anybody who listens to this, the Greensboro firefighters risked it all to have an active union, to have kind of the rights and privileges that many places enjoy because that's the law of the land. And for me, it just, you know, every firefighter should sit with that for a minute. Many of us do the same job across the country, but sometimes the stakes aren't always the same. Things could change in a heartbeat, no matter where you work. And that, that, was, that brings me to this one I wanted, to, wanted you to talk about a little bit because I hear it a lot as a state president. We shouldn't do politics. We shouldn't be involved in politics. They're crooked. We just give them money. The overall message, we shouldn't be involved in politics it's kind of, you're, one, you're the one guy that I could go, Dave, what would that actually look like potentially? There'd be no method by which we could make gains for our members if we didn't engage um, 
with the, our city council and with our general assembly, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have anything. Some of us fight for things, right? Mm-hmm. And some of us fight for the right to exist. And then we have to fight for things on top of that. We have to fight for the right to exist, create, if there's not already a structure to advocate or a, a structural lever that we can pull to be um, part of the decision-making process, we have to create that based on the opportunities that are available to us politically. Um, and if we weren't engaged in politics at the local and state level, we, you know, everything I rattled off about our victories from the past decade, we wouldn't have. Um, there'd be nothing that, nothing compels management to sit down with us other than our advocacy through our, our city council and our elected leaders. It doesn't matter where you work, whether it's California, um, it, it doesn't matter. It can change in a heartbeat. That's why it's so important as um, a union and union leaderships that we are involved and visible in the political process from the, the very smallest district all the way up to the state house and the federal government. You know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And my, my friend Robbie Hunter used to um, say that a lot. He was a state building trades president. And it is so true. We all kind of sit back and we feel like the battle has been had, the battle has been won, we've got this, we've got that. But it, it really, truly never ends. Are you guys seeing any pressures um, due to the Janus decision that um, concerns you or um, that you're watching? I mean, certainly there's groups that are, you know, um, sending mailers directly to, you know, IFF members throughout the country um, that those places that are really impacted by Janus. But for us, for South Carolina, for Georgia, uh, Florida, Janus had next to no impact. And I don't, I don't mean to sound callous about it, but it's like for us without collective bargaining rights, I mean. You're already there. We, yeah, I mean, you know. What it did to to the firefighters of California made them right-to-work employees. In all reality, to be a right-to-work employee would be a step in the right direction for North Carolina firefighters because we would have to have a union contract in place. Interesting. Right? So there's a huge, I think there's a huge education um, component to to Janice. Very seasoned, very smart, very capable union leaders who have a whole bunch of uh, track record of wins um, and know a lot of stuff. I find still sometimes get get uh, tripped up with the concepts of at will right to work, non-collective bargaining. Right to work is essentially, it means that if there's a union contract at your job or, you know, if there's a collective bargaining agreement at your job, you don't have to be a member of the union and you can get all the stuff, right? There's various window dressings that, that make it better or worse throughout the states that were impacted by Janice, but at its base, that's what it is. Yeah. We don't have a contract. So in, in reality, we're exempt from right to work laws. Uh, we're just at will employees. So I was having this conversation with a labor attorney out of New York one time, and he, he was like, so you're telling me you're in favor of right to work? I said, no, absolutely not. Right to work represents an anti-labor, anti-worker legislative sentiment. But you got to understand, we've got it so bad where I come from. We would love to have an environment like Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, these, these are all places that have been right to work that have really strong, high density unions that operate at a high level. It is easy um, in these environments that are impacted by Janus, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's easy to, for local leaders or state leaders to treat the union like they're, you know, flow from progressive. 
right? Where we just talk about here's, you know, sign the card, here's your insurance, here's your contract. Business as usual is really boring. And you don't create loyalty or activists if business as usual is comparable to being an insurance salesperson. Janice presents, you know, for firefighters in California, for instance, leaders in California, Janice presents a unique opportunity to take a second look at how they engage with their members. Like, are we working to win hearts and minds? Are we giving our members the tools they need to understand why it is important to stick together on the job, why it is important to be politically active, um, why it is, is important to be engaged with the local or with their union? Um, it give, Janice gives us the opportunity to, to do that with a fresh set of eyes. That's an interesting, a very interesting discussion on um, at will versus right to work. Right to work is a step up from at will. The members in Greensboro and departments that are similar risk it all to have an active local. Let's talk about some of the things, because I know you guys have had some successes in North Carolina, um, both locally and then at the state level, but what are some of the important victories that, um, you've, that the firefighters in North Carolina have, have, have had? I think one of the most prominent that comes to mind is state level victory. Our, our state association, the Professional Firefighters and Paramedics of North Carolina, won um, starting January 1 of this year was we finally have presumptive protections. And we went from zero cancer presumption protections to a pretty generous benefit. You know, we, we uh, found out last week we have a member um, who has, has been diagnosed with a cancer and, and Looking at, you know, we sort of did the lip, the victory lap when the legislation was passed. And then it's like, oh, now we now, you know, now it's here. It's on our doorstep. We've got to figure out, you know, are they eligible? What's the what's the process by which we we start this conversation with the member and with, um, you know, HR? And, um, it, you know, it was a over a decade long work by, you know, our state association and locals throughout the throughout North Carolina that, uh uh, that brought that that victory to fruition. And mind you, you know, we have a uh, Democratic governor and our House and Senate are controlled by Republicans. And so it's a testament, I think, to the strong bipartisan work that um, our state association has been able to engage in for a pretty long time to, to win something extremely substantive for firefighters in our state. Something as simple as dues deduction, right? Like something that I think it's such an easy thing for, for folks in a collective bargaining environment to take for granted. It took us three years, a concerted campaign of three years, members and non-members alike signed petitions. Uh, we uh, uh, took it to the city, city manager who kicked it over to the city council. Um, and finally, you know, the city said, okay, we'll, we'll provide dues deduction, but um, you got to pay a thousand dollars to get started. Uh, and you have to have a, you got to pay for it every year. Um, just for the, the data entry piece of it. So it's a huge victory for us. So, you know, everything from a big victory like presumptive to something as simple as, hey, man, just take my union dues out of my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, we, that's the, the depth and breadth of work that we have to engage in. I know you're doing political action across the nation for the IEFF. And what are some of the things that you're seeing, things that are being looked at in areas that maybe we all need to look at 
How are, how are locals across the nation looking um, as far as having organized PACs, PAC committees, PAC funds, that type of thing? Are, you, are, are we kind of all in the same boat or is that something we need to pay closer attention to? For locals in my state and in you know the Car- Carolinas, Georgia, that's where I would be most familiar with this type of discussion. A lot of locals do not have PACs. Um, and a lot of those locals that don't have PACs are also locals that aren't, aren't successful, that, that have a tough time um, moving, moving on issues, uh, even in tough environments. Um, I could say for us, like when we opened our PAC and started engaging elected officials through our PAC fund, that's, it's like we walked in the door and turned the lights on. That it's as, it's as stark as that. So um, I think in the, in the South, there's sometimes a hesitancy to get involved in, in local politics. But anecdotally, I can say that those locals who are not engaged consistently in local politics don't, don't get a lot of, put a lot of wins on the board for their members. You, just, you hit the nail on the head. Um, your level of involvement in politics is really going to, um, you'll be able to see and gauge the level of your involvement pretty much by, by your wins and losses. For the most part, I mean, it, let's just, you know, kind of cut the BS on it. But that that is where yeah. it comes down to. Now, that doesn't mean that if you uh, get involved and have a strong pack and you're really working, you win everything. You know, sometimes it can take, like you said, uh, Deuce Checkoff took three years. We just did a retirement correction that took several years. I mean, we have a lot of those that sometimes you got to go through. You can get them through the state, through the legislature, the assembly and the Senate. But the governor may or may not sign it. And if he doesn't sign, you know, you're back to starting all over again. Hey, you can be lucky and get the one off. Hey, we brought it up and we passed it. I think COVID, um, the presumptive on that kind of speaks for that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you have established that makes sense. But you have other, um, whether it's presumptive illness or injury, that it could take a long time. You, you guys in Greensboro, you're, almost, you're basically 100% membership, right? Or close to it. We're, we're uh, I just uh, looked at the numbers today, 94.8% wow. capacity. It, yeah. it, and, and that is a testament to the work. You're creating a lot of the successes that are in contracts in areas of California in an environment that is vastly different. If you could speak to the level and the strength of solidarity that, that your members have and, and being in for the cause, even though I'll bet your members are just like ours, there are personal differences. Talk to me about the solidarity that it has taken for your members and, and the fact that um, where are they focused at, personal, professional, and, and how did they get there? You know, when I came on the job, we had 30% membership density, right? 2005, 30% membership density. And when we started our organizing campaign, which was multi-year, we went to non-members, sat down face-to-face at firehouses and, and answered questions and listened to their feedback and concerns and criticisms and, and put a message on the table. Um, and so part of our success and our solidarity is that one-on-one, one-on-small group membership engagement component. The other piece is, I think, how we message. Um, we can talk to you, you know, seven days a week and twice on Sunday about the economic benefit of being part of local 947, the PFF PNC and the IFF. We can, we can show you the return on investment for your dues. 
And we do that. We talk about that sort of transactional nature, but we also sort of have this ideology of the transformational nature of your union on a job. Through our union, working together, we can make our workplace better and safer for us and our families. And we can uh, transform our workplace through organizing, staying together, and relying on each other. And that's everything as simple as if you have a sick member or a member has a, a family member that's sick, the entity that's going to organize the meal train for that family while they're in the hospital is the union. If we have a member who has fallen on hard times financially through you know, injury or illness or whatever the case, guess who's going to do the golf or t-shirt fundraiser, right? It's going to be their union. This is the vehicle by which we can make positive change, that we can protect our families, that we can protect our livelihoods, that we can make a difficult and dangerous job safer and you know, hopefully retire with some dignity. And so whether you're in California or North Carolina, I think that that message resonates. Um, again, the, you know, the drapes on the message are going to be different. The criticisms, concerns are going to be different. Um, but overall, that message, I think that is what's led to our, our victories. It is, you know, that, that has led to high membership density in a very tough environment where union membership is, is not required and, and in many ways is not officially recognized. We're the entity that is looking out for you on the job at the state level, at the local level, at the federal level. Um, and so, so I would say that to California firefighters is um, you have a lot of apparatus in place that makes this work easier, but you have to look no further than Wisconsin to see that apparatus taken away from you through one election and at the stroke of a pen. And it, you know, doesn't matter what party. I always kind of joke that the only thing Democrats and Republicans can agree on in North Carolina is how much they hate workers. In my role as union president, I'm agnostic when it comes to party affiliation. I don't, I don't care. I do not care. What I care about is where you stand on the issues that impact us, my members, and their families. And uh, uh, I think that's also a message that hopefully resonates with, with IFF members wherever they're from. A lot of our members as firefighters, you know, they, they uh, quite frankly, a lot of us feel like we're in a special category. And because um, we're very popular with the public, we have a very high opinion rating, we feel like we're protected. Um, as someone in a state that's pretty anti-labor, what do you think of that perspective and what kind of advice would you give someone that has that mindset? Certainly, uh, firefighters, you know, enjoy a, a certain... Uh, level of respect by the general public. Um, but don't think for a second that that necessarily translates to continued protections or increasing gains um, through your elected officials. Uh, they love us at election time. They love to take a picture with us. Um, and, and, you know, I think we're special because I'm, you know, I'm a firefighter and, and I, you know, love, you know, love the men and women I work with. But at the same time, this notion that somehow we're, we're better or we're special or they love us, um, that perspective is, is just laughable to me because they will, they will take from you in a heartbeat. What would you say to California firefighters about the importance of union strength, solidarity, and, protecting, and, and being able to protect them on the job? Your, your strength on the job, your solidarity, your engagement with your union is paramount to your survival. Um, it, it really, I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it really is that stark. When your unity erodes, um, you, you have less of a voice at 
the bargaining table, management knows if there's if there are certainly any sort of significant divisions within the ranks and they'll exploit those. Again, we can we can look at Wisconsin. It's, it's sort of the seat of uh, um, uh, progressive politics historically in the U.S., sort of like pro- progressive populism. They're very uh, had public employee collective bargaining very early on. It should be it should be a wake up call for firefighters in historically strong union environments that one election and one stroke of the pen can take everything from you. If you're not united, if you don't engage with your union, um, doesn't mean there's not going to be discussion or debate. All that's healthy, um, but we got to remember that the union is our vehicle to make positive change on the job and keep bad things from happening from to us and our families. And if we don't, if we let that solidarity and that unity erode. Um, that's going to have real-time, tangible impacts on us, both in the short term and in the long term. Dave, I, I just um, I appreciate your time. Any last thoughts? Again, I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to come and and, and talk to you all today. Uh, one thing I would say, if I can do some personal plugging, is uh, I do have a a, a Substack uh, hashtag Organize the South, where I where I, I write a um, write about the nuts and bolts of how to build more effective local unions. So it's, it's fairly new project, but it's something I've been, um, been excited about. And um, in addition to that, if uh, we got any labor history nerds out there, I'm a board member of the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum. So I would encourage folks to check out uh, the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum. It's about the struggle for unionization in uh, uh, the mountain South and in Appalachia. Um, and the museum is a, is a, a great testament to uh, uh, the dignity of, of working people in their unions. So that's uh, wvmindwars.org if anybody's interested. Dave, it's been an honor to have you join us today in just this discussion. It's super important for our members to understand the fights that are going on around this country um, on union firefighters' behalf, and even more so for every single one of us. We cannot let our guard down, and we cannot let... Um, anything be taken taken for granted. Um, with that, my guest has been uh, Dave Coker, president of the Professional Firefighters of Greensboro, North Carolina. And want to thank you again, Dave. And once again, I'm Brian Rice. Uh, this is the latest edition of the CPF Firewire. Thank you for listening, and we'll see y'all. Catch y'all next time. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.